Welcome to Proven and Probable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson, and joining me today is one of the featured speakers here at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium in Vancouver, Amir Hednani of UEC. Amir, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be back with you. You know, Amir, you're one of the featured speakers here. Would you mind sharing with those that weren't able to participate some of the fundamentals of uranium and what makes this sector so exciting for investors? You know, when I look back to uh, 2005, when uh, I started Uranium Energy, and I compared the enthusiasm, the market enthusiasm then for the sector versus the fundamentals, uh, it, is, it couldn't be any more opposite than now, in the sense that now the enthusiasm is gone, there's fatigue, people are tired of uranium as an investment because money hasn't been made in it. However, the fundamentals, and the fundamentals being how many reactors are under construction worldwide? Today we have under 70 reactors under construction worldwide, which is one of the biggest growth rates we've seen in the nuclear industry. More reactors under construction today than in 2005, for example. Uh, when you look at uh, this worldwide movement towards uh, reducing our carbon footprint, uh, being able to generate electricity that is uh, CO2 emission free, uh, th these are realities that we're, we're having to really adapt to as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a society and, and it's being recognized all over the world. The air quality issues in China and India today are worse than they were 10 years ago. So when you look at the fundamentals, you look at fundamental uh, demand, the expansion of the world's global uh, nuclear capacity, uh, and uh, what we're, we're one of the best points in the last decade for nuclear power in that sense. Of course, because of what happened in Japan five years ago, uh, you know, we did experience a period where there has been an oversupply of uranium in the market. But we have to be able to sort of look past that and say, when things turn, are we in a market for uranium and nuclear power that is stronger today? And absolutely it is. And, it, you know, and that, that's what I think gets us excited and still out of bed every morning. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the fundamentals of, of uranium. It seems like the stars are just aligning for an explosive move. We don't know when that'll be. But let's just take a look at it from a value proposition standpoint here. We have a spot price today at roughly $25.50. Uh, how does the future bode, do you think, for those that are willing to stay the course or those that have considered and are now going to come in to the sector? Well, first of all, you know, this afternoon there was a nice little uptick. The price jumped 60 cents, and it's actually over $26. Oh. <laughs> when things are bad, you know, every 50 or 60 cents matters. <laughs> but what's happening is that we're starting to see utilities come back into the market for contracting. And utilities being the guys that own and operate these nuclear reactors like to go through these contracting cycles. Every five to seven years you get a major contracting cycle that really drives the spot price. And we're really entering the next major contracting cycle, probably the first one since the Fukushima incident, where that will be the driver of the spot uranium market and the uranium price. And the, because uranium is such a thinly traded commodity, uh, the moves are not, you know, it's, it's not widely traded like gold is or oil is. It's thinly traded, 15% of the market is spot, 85% uh, are these long-term contracts. Right. So when you see the moves in the spot market, when the market starts to move, you see $5 a pound moves. You don't just see the 50 cent move like we saw today. This is a little precursor. <laughs> uh, but I think that's the key thing, is appreciating and understanding the market dynamics in uranium, that is a thinly traded commodity, different than other metals, 
And it's a depleting commodity. Yes, it is. Uh, you and I are both very fond of gold. We look at gold as an alternative currency, a way of preserving wealth. Heck, with uranium, it's a depleting commodity. It's used in a nuclear reactor. You need more in the next 12 months, generous electricity. And so at some point, there's got to be that tipping point where we continue to see production of uranium and supplies come off. If above-ground inventories were used to keep the market in balance for the last little while or even cause any surplus, that's not going to go on forever. And it's already been going on long enough. Producers are shutting down mines. And so you're, you're seeing, you know, if this was a movie, you know, when you watch your classic movie and you're like, this is a classic love story or a classic... This is a classic contrarian story. Absolutely. And we're at that point where you can say the stage is set where we're seeing a real bottoming of, of the space and the price. You and I don't have the crystal ball, can't tell you when it's going to really turn, but every time we've seen the turn in the last 10 or 20 years, they, they tend to be very profound. Yes, they are. And with that being said, you know, just, just look back one year ago. Gold was somewhat in the same theme. Right. And how was gold responded? And, and look at those investors that were investing in gold, but focusing now back on the other yellow metal. How does a, an investor take advantage of an opportunity in a company such as Uranium Energy Corporation? You know, what's incredible is that the same investors that uh, look at uh, commodities uh, and, and that have been investing in gold, uh, you mentioned gold, are going to be the same investors that are going to look at uranium. And uh, what's, uh, what's just uh, remarkably different is that when you look at the gold space, the sector, and you look at the market cap of all these gold companies you can invest in, and then you, combine, you compare that to uranium. In the uranium sector today, if you take all the companies that are publicly listed and add them up, their combined market cap is going to be maybe 20%, basically a, a, a fraction of just one major gold mining company, Barrick Gold, Gold Corp, UK. So the investable universe of uranium companies is much smaller than gold would be, than oil would be, but it's the same size of the investment world that wants to invest. So. I think, number one, yeah, uh, that, that again goes to show that the equities could also have big moves in the uranium space, and they've shown that time in and time out in the last five years or ten years when there has been a move in the uranium market. And I, I really think, and this is how we're positioned and oriented, I think that, that when you look at the last ten years in the uranium business, most, if not almost all, of the production growth came from Kazakhstan and Africa. I believe the next decade of production growth belongs to North America, and also because of geopolitical considerations. I think the name of the game is going to be United States and Canada. And if you're in Canada, you're uh, in a place like Athabasca Basin where you're going to be on the higher end of grade. You're going to be just focused on high grade because these are big multi-billion dollar projects, so you need high grade. Or you're going to be on the low end of capital intensity, low cost low capital requirements, and that's in-situ recovery. And that's what the U.S. geology and U.S. uranium industry is very good at, and that's the kind of projects that we're developing. Correct. Where we have our plants, we have, uh, we have the infrastructure advantage, we have that production readiness advantage, where we all have the permits. You think about, in, in the last 10 years, while Kazakhstan and Africa were building mines, the U.S. companies, including ours, were permitting, permitting, the second we got all of these permits, the uranium prices come down. So we haven't really had the, the full benefit of reaping the rewards of the years that we took to develop our projects. 
Uh, our company, you see, we have our fully licensed Topson plant, our fully licensed Palangana project, our fully licensed Goliath project. We're working on per permitting our third mine in South Texas, Burkholo. So um, I, I really think you have to look at Canada and the U.S. I, I think the U.S. being the biggest consumer of uranium in the world, 50 million pounds of annual demand, and only producing 3 million pounds is going to be great increasing and growing demand for made in America uranium. U.S. production will have to really start to improve and rise. That's how I think you play the space. And you, you play it where it hasn't been for the last 10 years, but where it's going to go in the next 10 years. You know, full disclosure, thank you for sharing that. Full disclosure, I am a shareholder of UEC. And the reason is, is, is management, is the technical team, is the permitting you've done, is the strategic moves you've done. And I think it would behoove anyone that is interested in space to please take a look at your website and also uh, your correspondence. If you would please share that with the audience. Yeah, it's uh, uraniumenergy.com is, uh, is our website to get uh, more information. We're listed on the NYC MKT under the ticker uh, UEC for Uranium Energy Corp. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really uh, 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 proud and excited about the people that we have in our company that are also very accessible to our investors and shareholders for information. Um, you look at the executive chairman of our company, uh, Spencer Abraham, uh, who is the former Energy Secretary of the United States. Uh, and Secretary Abraham, who has spoken, who spoke at the last conference as a keynote speaker that uh, you and I met at in the last interview that we did in Carlsbad. You look at our Executive Vice President, Scott Melby, 33 years in the uranium business, former president of Chemical Inc., uh, with, has worked with major companies his whole career, uh, is, a, is a, not only an expert, but someone that uh, when the United States Congress wanted an expert to give a testimony last year, he was the man. And so you look at the talent, you look at our technical team, individuals that have spent their entire professional careers in uranium mining, and then you look at our alignment with our shareholders. And so when you look at these, uh, these people, you look at the conference we're at right now, the individuals I mentioned, we're here, we're available. I encourage your audience to reach out to us. Uh, we have uh, great information. And you look at our involvement and our skin in the game, the money that we've invested, and you look at the people that have invested alongside us. Yes. JP Morgan, BlackRock, uh, Lee Kashin, who's regarded as the Warren Buffett of Asia, and we're the wealthiest man in Asia. Rick we're, at, we're at the Sprout Conference, yeah. Rick Rule and, uh, and the folks at Sprout. Uh, and so uh, you, I, I believe you, you see the foundation is, is quite sound and, uh, uh, and important, and, and we, we have the right foundation at UBC. Mumir, again, one more time if you would for the audience. Give us that website. www.uraniumenergy.com. Amir Nani, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. That was great, Morris. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.